All right, if you have a Bible, open to Mark chapter 7. We're continuing our, our journey through the Gospel of Mark today. Mark chapter 7, our text is uh, verses 14 through 23, and this is page 843 if you have one of those red pew Bibles. So starting in verse 14, he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. The word of the Lord. Morning. Morning. Welcome to Regeneration. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, people like Iris who feel a stirring in their heart to go do something. And this morning, as we venture into talking about hearts, we ask, Lord, that you would speak to each person here, that it would be more than just empty religion that drives us to even coming here on a Sunday. But Lord, that hearts are changed, and so we ask for that. We don't simply ask for more knowledge and for some stirring of feeling, but God, that we would be changed in heart, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as Pastor Steve said, uh, the church is um, practicing of the tithe itself, and so we, we really look forward to supporting what people feel called to, and so uh, for people like Iris, we we. We love to be generous towards those things, so please uh, share that with our missions team, and, and they will um, pray about those things and, and see what they can do about that. We are picking up uh, from verse 14 this morning. Last week, we read of Jesus' confrontation with the Pharisees regarding their traditions, traditions that they saw as equivalent to the, to the law of God in terms of the authority and in terms of importance, and what Jesus pointed out was that their tradition was not on equal footing as the scriptures in authority or importance. And then Jesus pointed out what really defiles a person isn't what's done or not done on the outside, like washing hands or not washing hands, that purity and defilement are more than just external actions of tradition. Jesus was really concerned with people's understanding of this, so he called the people to him again. He wanted them to gain understanding. Now, understand what? Essentially, it's understand who God is and understand who we are in the eyes of God. That, that the picture given to us about this relationship between God and people can be found in Mark chapter 6, verse 34. It reads this, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And so we have this picture of sheep without a shepherd, and Jesus' compassion led him to teach them. And so we see this compassionate teaching continue 
in our text this morning, verse 14. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. Something about the Christian faith is, I hope that we understand this, is that it is of understanding, of exercising our mind in regards to logic and reasoning, that our faith has evidence in history, that the historical events are also substantiated with things like archaeology and botany and biology and sociology and all these different sciences, and it's not just a bunch of fiction. It is actually a faith that can be rationalized. Christianity encourages our faith to seek understanding in empirical ways. That we don't just check our brains out there in the North X or in the parking lot and then we come in here like empty-headed. That we enter here with the desire to seek understanding. That we are to think, we are to observe, we are to experience. It's not just a blind faith. And so here is something for us to think about and to experience Verse 15, there is nothing outside that, are, that by going into him that can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. So right before this, we, he was talking about the washing of hands, washing hands before we eat something. And that is not what determines our purity, what, what, whether we wash or not wash, and then that food enters our digestive system and then comes out of us. That's not what defiles us. It's, it's what's inside of our hearts and comes out of our hearts that defiles us. And this was so revolutionary and this was so freeing for the people who heard this. And it, it, not because it disregarded the law, but it released them of all those additional laws that the Pharisees were just creating and forcing on top of the people. See, the Pharisees believed that the key to godliness, the key to righteousness, had everything to do with these external actions, these rituals. And before we just start judging the Pharisees for believing this, we need, we need a little bit of context as to why they would believe something like this and, and why what they ate influenced them so much. You see, in Jewish history, there were many, many, many Jewish martyrs, many people who died for their faith in Judaism. And some of those Jew people who practiced Judaism were found because of their diet. They were easy to point out. So someone who was persecuting Jews would just say, so you're not Jewish, you say? No, no, I'm not. I'm, you know, I'm just kind of walking through the marketplace. I'm just hanging out. Eat this piece of pork then. And so their refusal would show that who they practice, what they practice in terms of faith. And so these people were often tortured or they were often killed for this faith. And so they were easily identified because they refused to eat this unclean food like pork. So a lot of people died for their faith. A lot of people were tortured for their faith. And, and they were discovered because of these dietary practices. Now, given this background and this history of Jewish martyrs, Jesus didn't set out to insult them, but he did want to teach them that, you know, the pork is not what makes you unclean. 
that that food substance is not what does it. It's not some food that we intake that makes us impure, but it's what comes out of our hearts that makes us unclean. And this is a revolutionary thing because they were so tied to this idea that it's food that makes us unclean that they wouldn't let that go. But the difficulty is, is that if you accept that, if you accept that it's not the food that I take in, then what does that say about all of our Jewish ancestors who followed that religious practice so devoutly and they died? Did they die for nothing? And so it was, you can see that it was so hard for them to let go of such a belief because it was tied into their ancestry and their religious, uh, their, their devout living, their devout religious living behind that thing. And so they equated those dietary practices to purity. And what Jesus instructed was that that's just not true. Even though you have this historical tie, even though you have all of these understandings behind it, it's, it's just not true, which insulted them and the lives of their ancestors. So you can see how this is not just simply about like food and whatever. This is like you're, you're insulting me and what I believe and everything that our ancestors have believed and they've died for. But it is true that our actions don't determine godliness or righteousness. We can just see this in our world. This is logical. This is reasonable. And if we even look at the scriptures, we look at Romans chapter 1. We're actually quite ungodly and we are unrighteous. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in their lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie." and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Our actions alone don't determine our godliness or righteousness according to Romans chapter 1 and even according to our text this morning, Mark 7, starting in verse 17. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and they defile a person. So we see that Jesus had a more private conversation about this subject from verse 17. He entered the house and left the people. And then his disciples asked about the parable. Now why a parable? Because in a parable, Jesus could say something really controversial without losing the entire audience. 
And so this subject matter was very controversial, and so it was couched within a parable so that he could say these things without just kind of blowing up the entire room. And so Jesus told the people that what they did, what their religious heroes did, and what they died for when practicing these dietary restrictions weren't the same as practicing righteousness or godliness. And so you can imagine just the gasp. What? What do you mean? And so Jesus had to tread carefully here with what he was saying because the Pharisees were already looking for any reason to discredit him. And it's not until they are meeting in private that Jesus can openly talk about these purity laws without the Pharisees overreacting to what he's saying. Now in terms of purity, it, was, it wasn't simply about what a person ate. It was something much deeper That when it came to purity, it wasn't just the actions of purity, but having a pure heart, which then led to these actions of purity. Looking at verses 21 and 22, it's quite a list of what comes from within. But you notice that it all starts from within, and it ends in foolishness. Yet we are people whose culture believes that values are relative. They're relative. What one believes to be acceptable is relative. And so we just take one of these things in that list of things. Let's take sexual immorality, for example. That some people believe that what is unacceptable for one person is completely acceptable for another person. And whatever we deem acceptable is justifiable according to our own beliefs and our own values. And even if we believe some of those sins on the list are wrong universally, that we can all agree on on something in there that is a sin. I think every sane person will agree that murder is wrong. Let's take that one. We still always try to find some sort of justification. We always look for different angles. And so one of those things that we do, and I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong, but it's something that we do, is that we don't always place responsibility on the murderer. And so we start looking for root causes, such as one's background. You know, like where did they grow up? Did they grow up in affluence, in poverty? Were they educated or how much? Did they grow in an abusive home, a single parent home, foster care? Did they grow up with both parents? Were they well educated? Did they have financial means? And we have all these different things But when we look at this list, evil thoughts, sexual immorality, murder, whatever it is, it just applies to everyone regardless of background. It's an application for everyone. And so those things are all within us, aren't they? Regardless of background. They're they're in our hearts. Pride? It's in there. See, we don't have to go through each one, but since they all come out of our hearts, doesn't that help explain the mess that we find our world in today? Now, I'm not saying that those things, such as background, don't influence. Of course they do. They, they influence us. But it, isn't wickedness a problem no matter what your background is? Poverty, affluence, uneducated, educated, no parents, parents. Like it, isn't it in everyone? Isn't sensuality in everyone? It's in all of us. And so out of our hearts come evil thoughts. The, the background didn't make you do it. It may have influenced us, but it is our sinful hearts 
that defile us, that the defilement is already in us. And if we believe that it is solely our backgrounds that determine what we do and the wrong that is being done, whatever that may be, then our sociology, our education, our family, or whatever it is, then how, how do we explain that there's no clear answer to making things better if we can just kind of plot those things, whether it's sociology or economics or whatever it is? Wouldn't we just put all of our resources towards that thing and then cure everything? But it's not that simple because it's a heart problem. If it was all about the family, then why do we know some wonderful people who came out of broken homes. And, and those who came out of homes where parents seemed great and the family life seemed to be just fantastic, why do they come out all messed up? And why do people with great educations become like the biggest crooks? And those with the least are some of the most giving people that we know. And the people who have so much are so stingy and the people who have so little are so generous. Like it's... How do you explain these things? You know, a couple of years ago, I was in Berkeley for a meeting, and I forgot my money. Um, and I was running late, and there are very few places in Berkeley to park for free, right? So I'm, I, I don't have any cash, I don't have any credit cards on me, and I don't want a $45 ticket. So I'm not too proud to beg. So I start asking people around me if they had some money that I can have so I can pay my meter. So I'm asking everybody, right? I'm just asking strangers. I'm like, hey, do you have, I forgot my money. I just need to pay. Can I have some money? And so I'm going there business to business, like people who have businesses and restaurants and stuff, and they're just like, no, I don't, no, 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 no. Like, just like shooing me away. I'm like, what? You look like your changed tip jar right there. Like, just <laughs> give me a buck, right? Like, it's not a big deal. And I'm, and I'm telling them, I'm going to pay you back. I'll even pay you back more than you lend me. Like, I'll, I'll pay you back. My car's right there. Right when I come back out, you can tell me. Right? And because I was meeting with a friend, and I was planning on asking that friend, like, hey, can I borrow some money? And then I'm like, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay them back. Right? I'll pay them back, and then I'll pay you back later because we're friends, and we're, you know, we're, you know, we're good like that. Right? So I'm going up and down the street. I'm asking every business. I'm already late for my meeting, and I feel bad, and I'm calling my friend. I'm like, I'm, I'm running late. I just need money, and well, I need to pay this parking. And she's like, why don't you just come here and get the money from me and I go? I'm like, by the time I get to you and come back, they're going to ticket me. I know those Berkeley people. They're like, quick. <laughs> so I'm like right in front of my car in the businesses. Like, I'm just walking around and asking people, and I'm going back and forth, and I'm pacing back and forth. Nobody. People are going out to eat, so I know they have money. Right? People are buying stuff from, was it Staples right there on Shattuck? Or is it, I don't know what it is, whatever it is. They're going in and out of there, so I know that they have money. Everybody's saying no, except this one guy in front of the very parking meter that I was the whole time, and I didn't even ask him or anything. He was just shaking the 7-Eleven cup asking other people for money. So I was like, I didn't want to, I felt kind of bad because I didn't want to take away from him, but I just wanted meter money. This guy lets me walk by him like half a dozen times before he says, hey, young man, you need some help? I was like, yeah, I do. So he gives me $5 worth of change. He comes out and he gives it to me. Man, people were driving nice cars there. They, were, they wore nice clothes. They ate at these nice restaurants. They, they wouldn't give me a nickel. 
And this guy who didn't look like he had much to offer me empties out his cup and gives me five bucks. I was floored. Really taught me something there about like being judgmental and it really humbled me. I mean, what a, what a great heart. See, see, we'd prescribe the solution if we had it. If it's an economic one, we'd prescribe that. If it's a family one, if it's an educational one, we'd prescribe that. But we don't have a prescription for that because it's our heart that is the problem and we're not addressing that. People aren't focusing on people's hearts when they're looking at programs and, and processes and things like that. We're, we're, we're looking at different systems. We're looking at politics. We're looking at money. We're looking at economics. We're looking at a bunch of other things, but we don't look at the heart. And so the problems of our world, it is not simply economic or political or, or anything else of this world. It, it's a heart problem. It's a heart problem. And if you don't believe that, if you don't believe what the Bible says about the heart, how has our world done in the past several thousand years that I have to go back and forth on Shattuck just to ask for a buck and a homeless guy? empties out his cup to me. I'll, I'll tell you something about the heart because I have a heart problem. So I go see my friend and all she has is a 20. And I instantly go thinking to like, oh, I'm going to go get change and give the guy back five bucks. And then I stop myself and I was like, you stingy punk. Like, <laughs> you just want to give him exactly the same thing, you know? And just like, I got so convicted. And so I went back, and I was like, thanks, man. And he, he looks down at the 20, he looks at me, and he's like, whoa, thanks. I was like, that's a great investment. You have a great heart. And, I, and it just highlighted, spotlight my own, how stingy I am. You know, how punky I am. You know, like I, that, it, that I, I can't express the same generosity that he did. I wanted to do like $5, $5. You know, here's a transaction. See, our literacy rates have never been higher in the world. Are we better people? We've never had more wealth in the history of the world. Are we better people? We've never been as technologically advanced. We've never had as much democracy as we have today. Are we any better? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? It's just simply biological. It's simply physiological. What comes out of a person is what defiles him. Defilement isn't caused by what comes from the outside of us. It is from within and, and all of us are infected. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And when we look at all the ills, all of the injustices of the world, we need to keep this in mind that whatever injustice that we encounter, and we encounter many of them, we must deal with matters of the heart and not just the external actions against it. We can set up 
some accountability structures, we can give people some tools, we can do all these external things to help someone with, say, let's pick something off of the list, deceit, and help them structure things and give them guidelines on how to deal with deceit. But if the heart is not changed, really, it's only a matter of time until those who are helped are deceived. The real human problem is who we are on the inside. It's a heart problem. And just because things look okay on the outside does not mean things are okay. Even if we have some of these external diagnostic tools to help us, we can misdiagnose. You know, this past week, my oil change light came on on my car. And so I brought my car to my wonderful mechanic, Mike. Shout out to Mike. Mike, you're awesome. Mike is a wonderful Christian brother who, who's looking out for me, and, he, and he, he got to looking at my car, and he noticed some things on the inside. And so he noticed that, you know, your transmission fluid needs to be changed, and he told me, hey, you know, for, for your make and model and your year of car, they were known for transmission problems, and they don't tell you these things, so he tells me these things. He also tells me, hey, your coolant needs to be flushed, and so it, it's getting too acidic, and and what happens is the coolant, when it gets too acidic from the inside, it starts eating away at the seals and starts eating away at your hose, and you won't know until your car overheats and you have a busted hose or a busted seal. And so nothing on the outside could tell me those things on the inside, even though I have a diagnostic light that tells me you need an oil change. So Mike took a deeper look on the inside, and it also helps that he has the same car as me that has over 250,000 miles on it. And I was like, Mike, I want my car like yours. I want it to last 250,000 miles because I don't want to buy another car. And so I was like, okay, so then you got to do these things. You got to do the transmission flush. You got to do the coolant settings. You know, you got to do all this stuff. And so I got a light that reminded me that I needed an oil change, but then when I brought it in, some other things were unveiled, uncovered. See, it's important to come to church, to fellowship with others in a home group, and for, for people to be able to speak into your life and to be those diagnostic lights to show you what's up. But sometimes we just need a deeper check that reaches into our heart that diagnoses some deeper problems, that we need God to reveal those things to us, that we need to go straight to Jesus and say, God, you know, I have all this accountability structure, I have all this stuff in me, but I really need you to show me something that, that they don't even see, because they can make, misdiagnose or they see something and it's really not just that. See, we already know that all of us have heart problems and it would be great for God to shine a light on those things so we can work on those things. And we need Jesus to do a heart work in each of us to transform us. Aren't there so many things we know about that we've taken action toward, but we're still failing at making things better. We can take uh, environmental stewardship as an example, right? This is a hot button topic. We've never composted, recycled as much as we have today. We've never done that much. But it seems that the environment is getting worse, doesn't it? Our oceans, our air, the land, you know, it's it, never been as polluted as it has been today. And we're, we're doing all of this external stuff, and there's still so much for us to do. But if, if we don't change our heart towards the stewardship of our environment, well, we'll just continue to destroy it. 
Now, environmental stewardship, it doesn't happen by us simply using less fossil fuels or becoming vegan or, or minimizing our carbon footprint or all of these external actions. It'll really happen when our hearts change. When our hearts change and we realize, you know, God gave us this privilege to steward the world. When we, when we change who we are, it influences the action steps that we take to then go forward with those things. The, the wrongs in our world manifest from within us. They are, they are inside jobs. So, so we need to change what's inside. We need a new heart. And this is what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, and for no one can do these things that you do unless God is within him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you see, it's, it's from the inside out. It's not external actions that transform us. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Now this story of Nicodemus' conversation with Jesus comes before one of the most well-known Bible verses that anyone knows, right? John 3.16. So Nicodemus' story is 1 through 7. And John 3.16 is, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so we see this story of the heart. We see this internal struggle and that it's not about the outside stuff, the external stuff, right before John 3, 16 and 17, that Jesus came to save us from our sinful selves, that he came because our sinful hearts condemn us. Now let's continue on, John 3, 17 and 18. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. See, in Jesus, we are free from condemnation. Without Jesus, we are condemned already. Hopefully, we all recognize that we do all have heart issues and that we do need an intermediary, an intercessor, a savior to put our hearts, to save our hearts Christianity, the logic, the reasoning, the evidence is Jesus. Jesus is offered who desires to save us, who desires to change us, to be free from condemnation and to commune with him and each other in harmony for eternity. He is the instrument of that heart change. So we look at all these external things, all these external actions, and we're looking for answers, and we're trying to discover answers for ourselves when the scriptures tell us the answer is Jesus changing our hearts. And from that is an outpouring of that freedom and the loss of condemnation and the harmony. Let's pray. Father, 
God, we thank you for this divine plan of providing to us a Savior who frees us from the bondage of sin. We have this list of sinful things, realizing that they are all within ourselves, and and we try to change things, just like the Pharisees did, thinking that perhaps the washing of hands will remedy impurity, that what we take into our bodies will remedy impurity when realizing all those external actions, even though with great motives and great intentions, still fall very short because the real issue is our own heart. And so we ask Jesus that a heart work will be done this morning, that you would change the hearts of the people here in Jesus' name. Amen.